R-N-N. We are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means. Connecting the Dots with Dan Happel. Tonight's featured show is Connecting the Dots with Dan Happel. Welcome to the Republic News Network for our live national broadcast. You may call me Kelby, and tonight I'm going to be acting as your moderator. The RNN, which stands for the Republic News Network, has been doing this radio show since 2010, and it's always been a friendly introduction for the people of the United States Corporation. Here we go. It's true. The United States is a federal corporation, and their exclusive jurisdiction is in the District of Columbia. The Republic government was simply a bunch of U.S. citizens that, in law, don't have access to the Bill of Rights. And they realized they wanted to be Americans, as our founders and our law provided each and every one of us. See, we've been hard at work since 2008, and since 2010, we have successfully re-inhabited the original government vacated under Lincoln in 1861. I know, it's hard to understand. Don't worry. We are law-abiding, peaceful Americans and very pro-government, and we love our country. You can consider the Republic members are tired of the corruption that we see every day. See, we found in the law that there is two forms of government here on the land, and we did something about it. We are people. Mothers, fathers, sons, daughters. We have families just like you. We simply found some truths, and now we're sharing these important truths with the rest of the world. So get ready to hear things that sound amazing, and get ready to understand that you, too, are about to be a part of history. We welcome each one of you to Connecting the Dots with Dan Happel and your republic, if you so choose. But before we go into our broadcast tonight, please bow your head in prayer. Lord, we just want to thank you so much for this opportunity to pray publicly as Americans, Father. We, we thank you for dying on the cross, as you so did tomorrow on Good Friday. We bless you, and we bless your name, and we bless the people that are on this call. We pray this in your son's name only. Amen. Mr. Happel, I yield the floor. Well, thank you, Kelby. And tonight we have a very special guest. Uh, I've been connecting dots over the last three weeks with... Larry Pratt from Gun Owners of America, uh, James Yeager, and uh, we've we've covered uh, constitutional law with Edwin Vieira, and we have uh, been talking about why the Second Amendment is so important to this country, and tonight we're going to fill in a really, really interesting blank spot uh, in that debate because Anne Blake Tracy is our guest tonight, and Anne is an expert on uh, the use of uh, different drugs to dope our youth and how they have had a huge influence on the degree and the timing and uh, the, let's say, occurrence of uh, violence in the schools. And there's a very good reason uh, that these shootings are happening, and there's a very good reason that uh, Ann can explain in detail. She's been to Congress and testified before Congress. She has testified and done videos literally all over the country and on the Internet, and she has spent the last 30 years uh, studying the problem so that she can really explain it to uh, Americans all over and the rest of the world. And, uh, and I also, I'm going to lead into this by saying uh, the black community had experiments, uh, uh, black uh, prisoners and also uh, black servicemen had experience, experiments conducted on them during World War II to uh, see the effects of syphilis and gonorrhea on, uh, on men. Uh, we have also seen experiments uh, with 
uh, our own uh, government and Department of Defense uh, putting our soldiers in positions where they were heavily radiated uh, with uh, atomic weapons as a test to see what impact that would have on the human population. We're all somewhat familiar with uh, the LSD experiments in Berkeley, and uh, those were conducted by the CIA. And I think everybody understands, because this is all public record stuff now, uh, that MKUltra, an experiment on drugs uh, in the prison system and on different people, was conducted by the CIA, and openly so, after it was exposed that they did it. So anyone that doesn't believe that our government would intentionally put our citizens in harm's way uh, had better wake up to the reality of what has been happening in this country for the last 60 years. And all I can say, in fact, it's over 60. And uh, I, I want to do that lead-in because, Ann, I want to give you uh, as much time as you want, and I'm going to turn the show pretty much over to you and let you explain how you got involved in this process, how in-depth you've done these studies, and uh, just exactly what your, uh, what your uh, uh, conclusions are. So if you would uh, go ahead and jump in, let's go from there. Well, Dan, the deeper I've delved in this, the more I've realized how much every minute of my life has led me to this. Um, I, I think you know that my great-great-grandfather was the mayor of Tombstone during the OK Corral days. And Wyatt Earp was his sheriff and one of his best friends. So I've got in that background, Wyatt's wife, you know, was addicted to prescription drugs. It was happening clear back then. And then my grandfather was exposed to mustard gas. He was one of the test subjects and ended up dying. My grandmother spent six months watching him die. There's another experiment that I think a lot of people are not aware of that I think is really important to know about. And that I learned about just as I started, well, maybe halfway through, as I started into my research to put my book together. Dan Rather came on the evening news, and I hit record just as fast as I could because he was saying that our government was going to be paying families of people who were brought in by their own family physician and shot up with plutonium to see how it would affect them. They would call them in every year and test them again, make up some story as to why they were bringing them in and checking them. So... You know, I think people need to know that it has gone so far in the way of testing chemicals on the public that even your family physician is involved. I was just totally shocked. And most people, you know, I never heard about it again. Uh, probably now that we've got the Internet, you could Google and find it somewhere. <clears throat> but I was absolutely shocked. Yeah, it's been so happening I, in front of our very eyes, and it's been happening right. for a long time. And and uh, I guess that's why I led into the discussion the way I did, because you've done the research. You understand just exactly how deep the rabbit hole goes as far as drug, uh, drug addiction and experimentation on our population. Yeah. I mean, I remember this statement about how they intended to get us from within, but I didn't stop and think that they meant within our own bodies. Um, but this country is a sitting duck. Mm -hmm. Considering how many people are drugged at this point. Anyway, for years and years, I have called this an, a national holocaust. 
because I've seen so many people die. Mm-hmm. All these mothers killing their children. And then the school shooting started after Oprah did a big show and brought in a drugged-up doctor out of Washington State that they called the Pied Piper of Prozac because he was putting all of his patients on them, either Prozac or Paxil. And he brought a whole group of children in that he had on these drugs. And nobody had really heard much about that. I'd already seen it. But nobody had heard much about putting kids on them. Well, as soon as Oprah aired it, mothers were running their kids into the doctor left and right. And it wasn't that many years before we started hearing about all these school shootings. Mm -hmm. So I started investigating them. I would called in as an expert witness on many of them and uh, you know I noticed that they were all on these drugs and so we've got a database on our website if people want to go there it's drugawareness.org there's a blue bar across the top that's Mm drugawareness.org on the right hand side of that blue bar, you'll see SSRI stories, because these are SSRI, antidepressant selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. You click that button, and it should drop down, and it will say school shootings. You'll find a database there of about 70 of the school shootings. As soon as I become computer literate enough, I can I can put in the rest of them. But um, you, you I just don't know how to together, post them. <laughs> you, well, you certainly put together some uh, tremendously good video, um, video uh, YouTube videos and other things, and you've done a lot of testimony, including before Congress. Uh, this drugging of our youth has been going on for a very long time, and uh, you know we used to when I was a kid, uh, I was a bit of a handful. There's no question about it. Uh, we used to understand and accept that uh, some of the most creative kids, some of the most uh, intently intelligent kids, were the ones that were uh, causing, you know, disruptions in the classes. And, and good teachers That's knew how right. to deal with that. But right. uh, they started in the 60s and really turned it in on uh, high gear in the 70s where they started drugging these kids. And we have had enormous consequences ever since. And that's what I want you to talk about. And incidentally, I want you to tell uh, people about uh, your uh, encounter with Michael Moore and uh, the fact that you turned him around. Um, Yeah, well, let's see. Where do I start? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, first of all, let's go back to the CIA, since you mentioned the 60s. In the 60s, well, just before the 60s, the CIA was formed, and their drug of choice was LSD. LSD and PCP, which was also a prescription drug, um, produce hallucinations by mimicking serotonin. And what are antidepressants? Serotonin reuptake inhibitors. That means they mess up the metabolism of serotonin so that it will stick in the brain and raise to higher levels. Basically, they're constipating the brain. But anyway. (laughs) So as the level of serotonin gradually increases, you begin to have LSD and PCP-like experiences. So it looks like the patient themselves is going insane rather than it is a drug-induced psychosis. 
LSD was put out by Sandoz Pharmaceutical in Switzerland as a way to chemically induce insanity so that scientists could then begin to understand how insanity is created. Of course, nobody stood in line to take the drug. <laughs> so when the CIA decided they were going to really embark on mind control, they sent two agents over to Switzerland with 80% of their initial budget stuffed in a brown paper bag. 80% to buy up all their LSD. Well, they got over there and found out they only had a few ounces because they were growing up from the ergot fungus. And they said, this isn't going to work. You know, we need a lot of this if we're going to use it for mind control. So they grabbed their brown paper bag and came back to the U.S. and went straight to Eli Lilly Pharmaceutical Company. And they said, we need this in a synthetic form if we're going to use it for mind control because we need massive amounts. Lily agreed to deliver it by the truckload. Wow. Well, Congress stepped in and banned LSD. So the reporters asked the CIA what they were going to do now that the drug was banned. They looked at the reporters and said, well, we'll look to the pharmaceutical companies to see what they come up with in the way of a drug used for psychoanalysis that we can then use for mind control. So who comes up with a new drug? Good old Eli Lilly, who was just about to, they had just obtained a patent on LSD and were about to put it out when Congress banned it. But when Lilly was about to put it out, it went from a drug to chemically induce insanity to a drug that was going to cure mental illness and cure alcoholism and aid in psychoanalysis. Hmm. Apparently, it's all in the marketing, right? Yeah, yeah. So, who better to come up with Prozac just a few years later. Mm -hmm. A drug that slowly, gradually produces an LSD effect, getting the drug company off the hook because it doesn't look like it's their drug causing it. Uh, it has just been absolutely amazing as I have uncovered this stuff. I mean, I spent the whole time writing my book going, oh, <gasps> Yeah, I can believe tell it. everybody they need an oxygen tank to read the book. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's what they need is a brain. And what they need is a brain, and they need to understand that uh, this stuff has been going on right in front of our, our uh, closed right. eyes. Yep. Right. It definitely has. And then you look at the political connections. I know after World War II, there was Operation Paperclip by the CIA. Mm -hmm. And who was in charge of that? George Bush Sr. Mm -hmm. He brought 1,600 Nazi scientists to the U.S. What for? To twiddle their thumbs? I don't think right. so. Right. They've been very, very busy, obviously. And then when Prozac got approved... And Zoloft and Paxil, guess who our president was? Mm -hmm. George Bush Sr. Mm -hmm. So the policies changed, and we got fast-track approval on pharmaceutical drugs. Prozac was approved on five- and six-week studies. Mm -hmm. So they raced it through. Um, also, the doctor who was working for Eli Lilly in Sweden, where they had very strict drug, line, drug approval processes, he came forward and said, I bribed the approval. Said Lilly told me they wanted the approval in Sweden so that other countries would just 
put the drug right on through, paving the way for all the rest of them. And uh, they would, you know, the other countries wouldn't pay much attention because if Sweden approved it, they should be fine. Mm-hmm. Well, he paid. He, <laughs> I did the first show with him here in America, and I asked him outright how much you paid the guy. Because he said, you know, how do you want me to get the approval? And he said, what about money? And they said, do anything you can, get it approved. So that's what he did. Mm -hmm. How much was it? (sighs) Sitting down, Uh a lousy $30,000. Wow. I just said, do you know how many families I know who would gladly have paid that man $30,000 to never approve this drug, Mm -hmm. never approve this nightmare that we've been dealing with now for years. But anyway, they did promise him also he had his own research center. So apparently research projects cost like, oh, they're worth a million, a couple million apiece. So they promised him that they would deliver with that as well. Whether or not he ever got that, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But anyway, and then in '97, Dr. Candace Pert, who discovered the process, the binding process for all of these drugs on the brain receptors, she headed the brain chemistry department at NIH for like 13 years. Um, She came forward and she said, I'm alarmed at the monsters that I have created and joined forces with me. I thought it would be the end of the drug at that point, but I didn't realize how much money I was looking at as far as what they were making that they could turn around and fight back with. Mm So, and that was the same year... Uh, and the pharmaceutical industry is the biggest contributor to our uh, congressional, senatorial, and presidential elections. And, I know. Uh, they also have the uh, the highest profit margin of any corporations in the world are are the drug companies, and and you know that. Yeah, I do. And I hope everybody knows that. Hitler and, I mean, Dachau and Auschwitz were research centers. They were medical research Mm -hmm. centers. If you've ever been there. And I walked into Dachau, took one look at the pictures, I turned and ran out. I couldn't couldn't stand to stay there. I knew what was going on. It just Mm -hmm. made me sick. But we pay people now to do the same thing. Shoot, we've got dozens of those all over our cities. And we just pay them and say, hey, the gas chamber's ready. Don't you want to come on in? You know, we'll give you several hundred bucks for doing it. Sure. <laughs> it's amazing. Sure. Come and take that our happens. drugs. <clears throat> Let's see what happens. Yeah. And there's there are people that have committed suicide right in their facilities. So anyway, mm-hmm. so that is the birth of all of these antidepressants now that we're finding in all of the school shootings, the mothers who are drowning their children, the school teachers, female school teachers that are seducing male students. This is so far reaching in our society that once people begin to see it, they will just go into shock. It has literally destroyed I mean, I I watched it destroy our society. Mm -hmm. They create mania so quickly. We also have studies showing that serotonin is the chemical in the brain that if if the brain becomes backed up with a wash of serotonin, it produces the most incredible violence scientists have ever seen. Wow. Wow. Well, and and then and there's the other part of the equation, 
is that so many of these drugs are entering into our water supply and That's right. in, into everything in our society because of improper disposal techniques. And uh, we literally are creating a drugged-up world that will uh, make infertility, make insanity, make all these things uh, common mm -hmm. in, in our societies. Yeah, one of the first things I saw was people beginning to go gay on the drugs. And a lot of people will say, oh, you can't do that. But yeah, they've known that they could do that for a very long time. You just put tons of hormones in the supply. And But there were 2,000 scientists that came forward in the year 2000 and said, oh my gosh, we've got to do something. There's so much Prozac in the water supply that male fish are being born with ovaries, which was mm -hmm. far more than what I thought was happening. But it's really disrupting the entire hormonal system if it can do that. Mm -hmm. So people need to be aware that, yeah, you better get purified water. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's literally everywhere. It really is. Yeah, it well, is. Well, let's talking. Let, let's yeah. talk about how they're using. Uh, and I know this is just one small segment of it, but let's talk about how they're using uh, these uh, young people uh, in these uh, these uh, uh, crimes of passion, these gun crimes in the schools, and how they're blaming that on the guns and not on the system that created that. And uh, I'd, I'd love to have you kind of flesh out just exactly how insidious that whole process is in our public school system. Okay. Well, um, I put together, I've put together a post that should, I think our webmaster just got it up so that if people want to go to drugawareness.org, they can read along or follow what I'm talking about. Um, I've said that these kids are being, they're, they're being so manipulated. It's just amazing to me. I mean, do guns have a warning on them saying that owning it will make you suicidal and homicidal? No. Do bathtubs? Do kitchen knives? Do chainsaws, circular saws, trucks, cars, planes? I've seen so many things, shovels, crowbars, you name it. All these are used as weapons by people on these drugs to commit murder. So why are we going after just guns? It makes no sense. The right. only, the only common denominator in all of these cases that actually does have a warning that it will produce suicide and homicide in the user are these antidepressants. It's admitted right in the package insert. So why are people missing this? Mm -hmm. Obviously the media is, but we know they're bought and paid for. Well, but, we know too that the ultimate goal is to disarm and control America. And the fact is, is that uh, these drugs are part of that control mechanism, and it's been that way for uh, exactly. a very, very long time. Exactly. When you read the 17 points of the perfect mind control drug that the CIA has been looking for, when someone showed me that list and I read through it, chills ran up and down my spine because there was only one of those points that these drugs didn't fit to a T. I, and don't ask me what it was because I can't remember now. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Okay. I was in shock when I read it. Out of seventeen is pretty good. Uh, yeah. Bad, as the case may be. Yeah. Uh huh. 
Well, and you, uh, uh, you know, I know that you've been working on all these different uh, exposés. How are those? How are those going? Are you getting a lot of support? I, I know that uh, people uh, in the freedom movement tend to want to believe uh, that everything will be okay if we just uh, sit back and relax and, and uh, don't get too excited about it. Uh, that's exactly the opposite of what we should be doing. Oh, yeah. And these so, people are, they're clearly determined to do what they're doing. I mean, I just hope that President Trump sees the whole picture as he's talking about draining the swamp because these companies have got to go to. I mean, this literally, literally they've turned this entire country into a Dachau or Auschwitz. We use 80% of all the prescription drugs put on the market. In it's the just world. unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And there's that's... so many of them. I mean, this gabapentin that's being prescribed for everything anymore and Lyrica, those two drugs and the antidepressants are what they're saying they're going to take everyone off the opioids and put them on these. They're all serotonin reuptake inhibitors. They all increase the serotonin. We are really going to have a nightmare. Mm-hmm. And yes, people are dying on opioids, and those are horrible drugs, but they're nowhere near as hard to get off of as these drugs are. And you don't see, I don't find them near as often in these cases of mass shootings. It's the antidepressants. Mm-hmm. So we're really looking at a very serious problem. No, no question about it. And and I know you've uh, done some of the studying on how the United States, back around the turn of the 20th century, uh, went from being a very strong uh, natural or homeopathic uh, medicine uh, regimen in our country to pharmaceuticals. Uh, and right. that that happened through uh, John D. Rockefeller as a way to uh, give him a, uh, let's say, a better uh, persona because he was so disliked by so many people around the country. Would you tell our listeners a little about that? Well, we just, it's just been a snow job. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because they went in and funded all of these medical schools. Right. And then they also came up with the student loans to get the doctors in there. And do you know how many doctors and nurses I have to help? Because they're strung out on these drugs. 60% of the workplace violence shootings are in medical facilities. Really? I did not know that. Yeah, it's been that for at least five years now that I know of. Wow. Yeah, we've got doctors running in and killing people. We've got nurses killing them. It's just... Well, and then... Do we want to talk about hospice? Oh, my gosh. Talk about a euthanasia crew. Hmm. I mean, I swear they must all be on them because they're they're determined to, they just want to kill everybody, it seems like. They just killed my friend's mother. Really? She was in good shape before they went and put her in the nursing home and Got her surrounded by all this. Even my aunt just got all the data that she needs to take them to court for murdering my uncle last year. She's proved it. Shot him up with morphine till he dropped dead. Wow. Anyway, 
Yeah, that's it scary. Really, it's really bad out there because so many people are on these drugs thinking they're helping them, not knowing that all of these bizarre feelings that they're having is coming from their medication. Like one of the very first calls I ever got on my book was a young man from the United Kingdom. And he said, I just want to thank you for your book because it's helped me to understand what has happened to my life. And he said, I grew up thinking I was crazy. I never knew it was my bedwetting medication. Really? They have been giving these to children for bedwetting since the 50s. And guess what serial killers have in common? Bedwetters. Bedwetting. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember I read that somewhere. thinking, yeah. what on earth? What would that have to do with anything? <laughs> mm-hmm. Then I found out that they give these drugs for bedwetting and have for years. No wonder. I mean, Jeffrey Dahmer was on these drugs. Well, and, Even the uh, guy that killed John Lennon was on them. The guy that shot President Reagan was on them. You hear about Valium, but no, he was on antidepressants with Valium. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. Well, your research has been really, really important to expose a lot of this stuff. I'm just curious. I I read your uh, article and saw that uh, Michael Moore has gone from being an advocate of uh, right. unlimited gun control to uh, an advocate of exposing the drug industry for what it's doing to Americans. Now, I'm no Michael Moore fan, but uh, it's pretty obvious that you uh, turned his life around. Tell us about your experience with him. Well, um, I've worked very closely with the first boy who was shot at Columbine, Mark Taylor. Mark is the only one out of the group that wanted to file a wrongful death suit against the pharmaceutical companies for char- for causing Columbine. Um, Mark's the only one that had the courage to go ahead with the lawsuit against the drug company. All the others were scared off by the attorneys telling them if they did not win their lawsuit that they would take them for everything they had. And there were about five or six other Columbine families ready to join the suit until they heard that from their attorneys. And they said, we've already lost our loved ones. We don't think we could survive if we lost everything else we have as well. So they backed out. So Mark was the only one to go to court. And if anybody saw Michael Moore's movie, Bowling for Columbine, they know that Mark was one of the main kids from Columbine that was in the movie. In fact, it was his idea to go to Kmart to return the bullets that were lodged in his body, (laughs) which is why Kmart changed some of their policies. But anyway, um, so Mark was going to the premiere of Bowling for Columbine. At least he got that for being in the movie. And he wanted me to go with him. I got sick, couldn't make it. I was in Utah at the time, and it was premiering in Denver. So I told Mark to be sure to take a copy of my book and give it to Michael Moore, which he did. And then not long after that is when we did that movie where you saw the movie clip where Michael Moore comes out and says Mm -hmm. what he says about these drugs and about everything in his movie, blaming it on the guns, was all BS. Mm -hmm. Because he just, he ran through the science we've got. The science is so clear that this is what it is. And we have proven in court 
that only two doses of one of these drugs has caused a mass murder-suicide. They had to pay out millions of dollars to this family after an elderly man took only two doses, woke up the next morning after that second dose and shot his wife, daughter, his infant granddaughter, and then himself. Wow. Two doses. But their own expert had already testified that according to his research, if you impair the ability to metabolize serotonin, you produce impulsive murder and suicide. That's how clear the research is. And it has been since the 50s. So, you know, that's why even Michael Moore looking at it has said, oh my gosh, what if it is just these drugs? It sure looks like it. Well, let me ask you this, Ann. How have they gotten away? How have the drug companies gotten away with this scam for so long? You buy up everybody. Do you know how many wrongful death suits they've paid off? I'd, I'd be curious. When you pay those off, you put gag yeah. orders. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. hundreds and hundreds of them. But they put gag orders on the families. If they say anything, they have to pay back every penny that they've gotten so far because they dish out the money over a period of time. They don't give it all at once. And so these families have already lost, oftentimes, their breadwinner. You know, they're just devastated by what's happened. Uh, Those gag orders should be illegal. Like um, Judge John Potter, I don't know how many people remember Louisville, Kentucky, was one of the first big murder-suicide cases in the country involving Prozac. And uh, Joseph Westbecker went to his place of work and shot seven or eight co-workers and then himself because he thought he was being sexually molested by them, which is another thing they caused, these false memories. If everybody can remember uh, Roseanne Barr and Roseanne constantly accusing her parents of molesting her even when she was six months old. Um, You know, all of us have such an incredible memory of what happened to us at age six months. (laughs) But anyway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sadly, Roseanne went through that reaction to Prozac. And I worked very closely with her family while they dealt with it so that they understood that it wasn't Roseanne, it was coming from the drugs, so that they would, you know, it so it wouldn't hit them quite so hard. Sadly, her father died before Roseanne did get off of the drugs, and she went on Oprah with her mom and said, look, it was my medication. This was the biggest mistake I ever made in my life. And well, it's happening everywhere. It, it's good you know, that, all uh, the exact people are getting off right of it. I, yeah. I said, with all these accusations in the country right now, it yeah. has me wondering, well, okay, who's on what and what's real and what isn't? Because what the drugs do is they produce horrifying nightmares. And they're often sexual in nature. So, and the nightmares are so incredibly vivid that patients say they can't tell the difference between the dream and reality. So they start mixing them because they're not sure what's real. And so that's why they're so believable too. Mm-hmm. Sure. Because to them it was real. Sure, that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Um, the other thing that, that uh, we see with so many of these mass shootings is suicide. Uh, they right. kill all these people, and then they end up killing themselves virtually every time. 
or mostly. Yes, I was actually on the phone with the chief of police in Salt Lake City while Columbine was going on. And I had called him. We were discussing the Salt Lake Family History Library shooting where a good friend of mine was killed who I had warned over and over and over again that he was working in one of the most dangerous places in town because there were so many people on these medications going there. Because another thing that happens with these drugs is you lose sight of who you even were before you took it. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people will start doing genealogy, trying to get back to their roots and see if they can remember who they really are. Anyway, that's just one of the things that they do. Mm-hmm. And so I kept warning him that this... And he ended up dying because of it. But there was an elderly Russian immigrant who had noticed that he was losing his eyesight on his antidepressant. And so he dropped off, you know, not knowing that you cannot just quit these drugs. That's the most dangerous thing anybody can ever do is to just stop one of these drugs or to come off quickly. You have to do it so very slowly over a long period of time to get off safely. Mm -hmm. And so he had just quit having no idea the repercussions, but you can go into that REM sleep disorder that the school shooter who tells what happened to him that you saw the video of, and it is on the the page where we have all the school shootings up at the top, you'll find the video of the only school shooter to ever speak out. I was going to ask um, you about that. Would you uh, kind of uh, describe and explain that? Because I've seen that testimony. And uh, yeah. explain to our listeners uh, about this young man, because he seemed like a really nice young man. Oh, he great kid. I mean, he was a farm boy. He was just a shy farm kid. And because he was shy, they gave him these drugs. And, you know, he's a hard worker. He's always got along great with his family. Um, He was just about to get his Eagle Scout. He um, He was over the young youth group in his church. And he was getting ready to serve a mission for his church, a two-year mission for his church, when this happened to him. And they had decided he apparently was starting to have reactions to the Paxil that had him on for about a year. So they decided they'd switch him to a different one because it's spelled differently. They think it's going to give him a different outcome. Hello. Uh, anyway, so they were switching him over to Effexor. He got the highest dose, the maximum dose, the day this happened. And after he took that dose, he told his mom and dad, you know, I really don't feel very good. So I'm going to go back to bed. And then when I wake up, I'll go ahead and go on into school. Well, he went to bed, and that's the last he remembers. He said, I woke up in juvenile detention. What happened was he got up in his sleep, walked to school with a gun, and stood there for 45 minutes holding his classmates at gunpoint. He would put the gun under his chin for a minute, and then hold it back on his classmates again. And it just switched back and forth like that. And one of the girls even looked at him and said, Corey, what are you going to do with that gun? Are you going to hurt us? And they said he looked down and saw the gun in his hands and looked totally shocked, like, oh my gosh, there's a gun in my hand. Hmm. But Luckily, the school teacher knew him personally, and um, 
he just kept talking to him until he got him to hand the gun over to him. And then when the parents, they called the parents and his parents came and his dad said he was just covered in sweat, which indicates serotonin syndrome where the serotonin level is way too high, which can kill you in a 24-hour period. But it also, it usually gets the brain first. So anyway, there was all indication that he was extremely toxic from the high serotonin level. Mm -hmm. And, um, but that is where you, the REM sleep disorder is where you actually get up and act out nightmares. There's no paralysis during the sleep state. And well, that's uh, what happened to comedian Phil Hartman and his wife as well. Right, right. Um, but let me ask you this, because I I know that uh, when I saw that uh, video, one of the things that is so uh, difficult to understand is how long it takes to detoxify and what some oh, of the side effects are if they try to do it too quickly. I know. It's really frightening. We've got dozens of Facebook groups dealing with that. We've got Prozac should be illegal. Zoloft should be illegal. Paxil should be illegal. We've got one for each of these drugs. And uh, people go in and they'll talk about how horrible it is. I've got people that don't know if they can survive it. They say it's the most horrible thing they've ever been through in their life. And that's why many people stay on these drugs. They don't know how to get off. They don't know how to get through that withdrawal. They don't know that if they go slowly enough, usually takes about half the amount of time you are on the drug to come off, unless you've been on for, say, like 20 years, like a lot of people have now. Mm-hmm. then you can take a little over a year for each five years on to wean off safely. But wow. you've got to really work to rebuild the body. And we've got all kinds of people in there going through it. And, you know, they're all at different stages and all working to get off. But that's what I said. It's so much harder to get off of than even the opioids are. That it it just makes me sick to think that they're going to put people on these coming off of opioids. Yes, that is is insanity to uh, put them on this and uh, think that somehow that's that's some kind of placebo uh, to the opioids. That's nonsense. Yeah, that's kind of what Rosie O'Donnell's gone through. <laughs> really? Do we want a whole nation of Rosie O'Donnell's? Um, she went from having reactions to Fen-Fen and Redux, and most people have no idea that those drugs were pulled because of the brain damage, not the heart damage. They got away with all the brain damage they caused with them. But... Um, yeah, there was an, they were supposed to test the redux after it was approved the year before for brain damage because the FDA was really frightened that it was going to cause brain damage. And then all the information came out on the heart damage that summer of 97, and people were concerned, but then came the the study on brain damage, just massive brain damage, the worst I've ever seen. Hmm. And uh, they attributed it to the high serotonin levels and the problems with the heart as well. And um, they, so it was only a week after that came out that that they pulled the drugs from the market. Well, and they pull pull those drugs, but then it seems like they always substitute something that's uh, just as bad. 
Oh, well, see, they left all those people going through cold turkey withdrawal. Mm-hmm. And you cannot give drugs like this that that affect serotonin. Those were serotonin reuptake inhibitors. That was the biggest problem with those drugs. And they dropped those people cold turkey. I know one lady that I did a show with that's one of the top psychologists in the country. She said, I sat with a knife at my chest. If my mother had not come to stay with me, I probably would have used it. Wow. Because they all went through cold turkey withdrawal and nobody paid any attention. I had mothers killing their kids. They got away with all of that. They never had to pay for any of those horrid things that they caused by just jerking everybody off those drugs. Mm -hmm. But we're running into the same thing with antidepressants. In Australia and the United Kingdom right now, because they're running out of the drugs, they can't supply them. Anyway, that's so they're going to be going through the same kind of deal. Let let me uh, ask you this, and I uh, we're getting close to the end of the show, and I want to make sure we have an opportunity for you to uh, tell our listeners how they can help to expose this mess and what they can actually do and then uh, give our listeners a way that they can go to your various websites and look at the information that you've provided and realize that this is the real deal. This is the most serious thing uh, confronting our country today, and certainly in our school systems. It is, and I call them the divorce pills too because they can destroy a family really fast. Anyway, yeah, our website is drugawareness.org. It has been up there since about 1995. So there is tons of information that we've gathered and testifying in cases, of course. I've had privy to a lot of information a lot of people don't have. Right. So that is all up there. The school shootings are up there. There's a database at ssristories.net, ssristories.net, where you will see thousands of cases like this. You can even research your own state and see what's happened in your own town. Um, as a result of these drugs, anything you've ever wondered about, like Andrea Yates drowning her kids. She was on two of these at maximum dose. She and the kids didn't have a chance. You need to know that the FDA has warned that any abrupt change in dose of one of these drugs, whether you're going up or down, can cause suicide, hostility, or psychosis. So never make an abrupt change. Never switch to another one abruptly. Don't do anything abruptly with these drugs. It's too dangerous. In fact, in Parkland shooting just almost a month to the day after, there was a young man who had dropped off his antidepressant the week before. He was having a sleepover with friends. He stabbed one to death, attacked the mother, who was an attorney, and another child he stabbed 32 times. Luckily, somehow they survived. But that is the type of violence you can get if you just abruptly discontinue these drugs because it causes Mm -hmm. that REM sleep disorder when when you do. So drugawareness.org ssristories.net and you will have all the ammunition that you need to get out there and really let people know. If anybody knows anything about computers, I'm so computer illiterate (laughs) that if I knew anything else, these drugs would probably be gone. But I just can't get the information up quick enough. Well, and that's something I want our listeners to understand, Anne, is that you are probably the most knowledgeable researcher on this subject of anyone in the country. And I I don't think I'm Mm -hmm. exaggerating one iota to say that. I believe that uh, Mm -hmm. you have been so immersed in the research on this for so long 
I don't believe anyone right. has as good information as you have. I'm afraid you're right. And the reason I'm afraid is everybody needs to know as much about these drugs as I do. Yes, <sighs> they do. They do. Well, Anne, uh, thank you for being our guest. And uh, I hope our listeners will follow her websites. And I hope you will uh, make yourself aware of the drug problem that we have in this country. And Anne, uh, thank you for being such a, a gracious guest. And I look forward to uh, seeing you at the Red Pill Expo uh, in um, in Spokane in about two and a half months. So uh, mm-hmm. I know you're supposed to be at that event, and I look forward to that. Uh, with that, uh, Kelby, I turn the uh, broadcast over to you. Ladies and gentlemen, that concludes this week's show with Connecting the Dots with Dan Happel. God bless. Good night. We'll see you next Thursday, 6 p.m. Pacific.